All aboard! You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey Reynolds, and on this very early morning, I'm sitting here with my good buddy, Jim Wesley. How you doing, buddy? How's it going, Corey? <laughs> I kind of preempted you with my own, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Charles, Charles is away somewhere on the other side of the country playing a... A very special game of duck, duck, goose. No, actually, I'm just kidding. That's that's kind of an inside joke. But no, he uh, he he's out playing the world, the last gasp world championship of the Netrunner Android Netrunner card game that he talks about practically every episode at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm kind of glad for this last world championship, and for no other reason than maybe he'll stop gabbing about that in the outro of the show, you know. So uh, I asked him yesterday, I'm like, how's it going, buddy? You winning any games? And he's like, a couple. And I was like, you plan? He said, I plan on winning four games. And I'm like, oh, man, you're going to win four games against that other dude that's there? That's pretty good. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) Him and like one or two other people like sitting in a hot shed like in Minnesota. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so we wish him luck in that very lucrative uh, pursuit that he is currently involved in. So, I don't know. You know, I've, I went to a couple of card game tournaments before. I, I did a couple of Magic Sealed Deck tournaments. Did you ever go with me to any of those, Jim? I don't no, but I, I remember you talking about it, and Sealed Deck seems the way to go. Because you're actually well, yeah. playing against your ability to create something out of what's given to you. Not the guy that just went around and bought every card and right. went on the internet and found a deck that someone else made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sealed deck. Although I will say, yeah. in the sealed deck tournament, I play, well, first of all, the ones I like to play in were the um, the pre-release ones. So you're getting, you actually get to go back to high school, you know, because this was like during when I was in high school. But you get to go back to school with cards that the other people, you know, the other mere mortals that just you know, <laughs> kind of play magic casually or whatever, like they don't, they've never even seen these yet, you know, because usually you got to have the new cards like a week or two before release, and so that was always like really fun. But, uh, but yeah, but when I played in a couple of those tournaments, I went up against people that had essentially like full built decks, and I'm like, you did not pull those out of those packs. You know, they have like a full, like a fully built red burn deck. And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I, there's not a good way to, to, to catch those cheaters. I don't think in some of those things, but whatever. Well, another thing um, we didn't have to deal with was like these thousands of internet sites that are just dedicated to like, just net built, decking. yeah, net decking. <laughs> so I mean, the the internet was in its infancy back then. So right, right. I mean, it's, you know, the only meta, the only meta you knew was like what was being played around where at you your lived. high school. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, the internet deserves to be turned off for good, if for no other reason. <laughs> than for net decking in collectible card games where where the moron sitting across from you who has not a creative or strategic bone in his body can just go download whatever some pro came up with and try to beat you with it. Yeah, I hate that. Well, so. yeah, that's what kind of 
lost the appeal for card games a little bit for me was that I knew the only way you could really win was you just had to go find the deck that beats the deck that's popular at the time. Right. I mean, every yeah. once in a while you get somebody who net decked and just really doesn't, you can tell they don't know how to play whatever right. they're, what, you know, the combinations yeah. and stuff. I like, see that oh, a lot man, in You totally messed yeah. that up. You should have done this, yeah. this, and this. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how yeah. many, I, I watched my, I watched my 11 year old beat somebody trying to do in Hearthstone, just, just like last week or something, trying to do the new Mecha Cthulhu deck and like the one turn kill at the end of that. And, dude just screwed it up so bad and <laughs> Lydia just annihilated him and I'm like that is hilarious so anyway yeah it's it's funny when people take missteps like that but still I just hate the whole thing I you know I wish everybody would just be creative on their own and uh you know that's it's like it's at least 70 percent of the fun of the game is is making your own decks oh, yeah. and stuff but people just don't understand like, I, mean, I just gotta go get the winning thing it's not about winning, man. It's well, about that the fun. that was the thing about the sealed deck is it, as long as yeah. no one's cheating, it forced you. Forced yeah, you, to be you had you crazy. played against someone's ability to construct the deck out of what was given to them. Right. So, welcome to episode twenty of Collectible Card Games Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Charles. You and your trip to wherever the heck you are with your three other friends or whatever. Causing us to derail right here at the top of the episode. But you know what? It is episode 20. And is that a special number? No. But it feels <laughs> kind of special. 20 episodes, man. And actually, it's 21 because we had episode zero. Uh, that means we've been doing this thing essentially like five months. That's a lot. Wow. That's a whole lot. Yeah. So, all right. Go us. Right? <laughs> And I uh, appreciate you guys letting me take a break last week. Um, I told Charles not to lie and say that I was on vacation because I wasn't. I was right here. I just I just needed a break because five months doing this every week, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of effort. And yeah, if you don't take a break, you're gonna burn the heck out. And so uh, I appreciate them letting me take that break. So in a way, I guess it was kind of a vacation. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So back this week, me and Jim going to go through some pretty awesome exalted stuff. We got some we got some really neat stuff lined up for you, and I don't want to spoil the surprise. So before we get into it, let's go ahead and hit the news. So big news this way week is old Uncle Bert died. Oh. <laughs> Burt Reynolds died this week. Uh, that, that's wait, wait a minute. That's not exalted news. Hold, hold on, wait, hold on. Let me, let me shift the papers here. There we go. There we go. Exalted news this week is Lunars is now listed as being in the development phase. So it's out of second draft. That happened pretty quick, I think. Yeah, I think they're moving this Lunars book really quickly. Yeah, seems like it. So I think that's pretty positive, pretty neat stuff. And uh, hopefully that means that we'll be getting a Kickstarter for Lunars pretty early. Well, I know that they said early 2019. But as f as fast as this thing's flying through the different stages, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too hopeful, but really seems like it's it's getting on up there, you know. <laughs> like it is possible we could see a, a Kickstarter here pretty soon. They right. may want to wait until January just to say it started in 2019. Well, remember when know. we uh, interviewed Dixie, you uh, made the comment to save your Christmas money because shortly after Christmas, we right. would be seeing yeah. this thing. 
So yeah. maybe February to April, somewhere around there. It'll be almost Probably. about about the same you know, time it, the Dragon Blood came out last if year. If I was calling the shots at Onyx Path, though, I would say do not delay at, for any reason. You know, like these in order to get this game really rolling and picking up steam and getting fans and you know growing its player base and everything like there needs to be like a good steady exciting release schedule uh where things right. are just like boom 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 i mean we need that and uh some of what we're actually going to talk about today I think uh, could actually dovetail real, real easily, real, real well into that. Well, you see a lot of that. I mean, just take the video game industry for example. When a game comes out and everyone's, it's in its hype and everyone's playing it, and then when it starts petering out, what's the next thing you see? This really awesome expansion, and then everybody comes back, you know, because right. Once you get to a point where you, I guess, you feel like there's nothing new. It, right, you know, because everybody loves new, and and yeah. and things don't remain popular as long today as they used to. Like, right, it, it's on to the next, on to the next. You know, like whatever right. we're talking about today, two weeks from now, you can't get anybody to remember what we're even talking about. Like, oh, that's right, you know, that's not even old news; it's forgotten news. You know, exactly. So everyone is and- <laughs> always wanting the next greatest, latest, greatest thing. So. Anytime that new stuff comes out, it just like it keeps that excitement level from dropping below that right. that threshold. And and there was even you know you think back to like the uh, Dragon Blooded Kickstarter and the fact that like you know we had these manuscript pieces being given to us like one a week you know as we're going through this thing and it was like boom 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 everybody's like yeah 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 this is awesome. And uh, this is so much better than the the Exalted 3rd Edition Kickstarter. Man, we're getting stuff. This is great. This is like, you know, instant gratification. With the Man, this is, everything's turned around. It's changing, changing. And now it's been five months and we're still waiting for the, the PDF. And honestly, it's getting a little long in the tooth at this point. You know, like, it's cool to watch Lunars come along and... and uh, the development to progress on that. And it's like, wow, things are moving. And then I, I, I remind myself... Man, we still haven't seen the the Dragon Blooded uh, PDF yet, and um, you know, the, there's 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 something to say for just like man, you got you got to ship, you got to get it out. People need to see it. They need to they have it in their hands. And so, um, I'm all for pushing pushing the schedule up, even if it means a slight reduction maybe in what you would consider perfect quality. So um, so yeah, but anyway, it is it is positive though. I didn't want to get on a negative rant about the Dragon Blood book. I'm I'm very much looking forward to the Dragon Blood book, but uh, it at this point it is starting to feel like, man, y'all going to release this? Come on now, come on now, let's get it out. So, um, but yeah, it's it is exciting though to watch Lunars go forward. So, anyway, looking forward to more more awesome updates on that. I guess from the development stage, not sure where it goes next. Maybe into uh, I would th- I would say once it gets out of there, it's probably about time for the Kickstarter if they do what they've done before and uh, you know have this thing partially ready by the time the Kickstarter starts. Once it gets through with the development stage, it's probably about ready for that. We'll see how fast it goes through. I don't know. All right. Well, let's want uh, want to talk just a bit about the Patreon this week. So you know, as you know, we've had a Patreon up for four or five weeks now. 
for the deliberative. And I think that the Patreon for our show has a lot of potential to really help us get the word out about Exalted and bring lots more high-quality Exalted content to the community. That's our purpose behind all of this is to uh, just to, to keep making opportunities for us to be able to provide that week-to-week, you know, multiple times a week updates for the Exalted community that keeps injecting adrenaline back into the community so that everybody sort of stays hyped and stays up on the whole right. game and everything else. So, you know, the, the, the Patreon has a lot of potential to do that. Uh, and, but you know, they, when you're, when you're doing something like this, it is possible to get, you know, watch, watch the numbers and whatnot. You can get a little down. You can, you know, it's like, well, are we going to be able to provide the sort of things that we want to provide? You know, got, we got a lot of dreams, but then, you know, it, it's kind of a long way to making those dreams a reality. And I heard something this week on my favorite podcast, uh, which is the Glass Cannon podcast. I love it. If you guys don't listen to Glass Cannon, it's a Pathfinder podcast, but those guys are just so awesome to listen to. Uh, I I love every one of them, and I have listened to like every episode that they've ever released. And I was listening to... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And, uh, and I, I was listening to an episode this week, uh, and it's from a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, but Troy LaValle, kind of the host, the game master or whatever, Glass Cannon... He was saying in the introduction on a recent episode uh, about their own Patreon experience and how, you know, they're setting these goals for different things that they're working on. And and the goal that he was specifically referring to in this instance was uh, them going live on Twitch, right? Right. They they set up video cameras in their recording space and they're trying to do this new live Twitch experience, which I watched a little bit of last night, their second episode. or second playtest adventure that they did on Twitch. And uh, I tune in and out. I mean, it's long and whatever. But uh, but anyway, he was talking about that and about how, you know, they set this goal, they got there, and now they're just, uh, they're just, they're just going to try it. They're just going to do it. And he said uh, something that just really resonated with me, that he said that they're not going to let perfection get in the way of good. And to me that was a that was like that was a pretty encouraging and uh, an encouraging thought and a wake up call because i with all the stuff that we do with the deliberative and with five polls and everything else like i wanted to start every single thing that we do like at this perfect level right and like perfect audio or at least attempting to do perfect audio quality uh, perfect edits, uh, perfect, you know, music and sound bites and all, and, and perfect website. Although I will say five poles is far from perfect, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, like I, I look at, I look at like the greats in the industry and I'm like, we should start there. Like that's, that should be our starting place. <laughs> and that puts a crap ton of pressure on us, you know, and it's been a whole lot of pressure for like right. five months now. And it's a part of why I just really needed a break last week was because always trying to do this, you know, trying to strive for perfection or whatever, it it's like it, it becomes a self-defeating sort of a thing. And watching Glass Cannon do their live shows on Twitch, which he said, we're not going to let perfection get in the way of good. And if you watch those, it's far from perfect. But you know what, though? Like, you care enough about the guys on Glass Cannon and enough about what they're doing to, like, tune in and watch and enjoy it. And it's good. Right. I thought it was good. Right. Not perfect, but it's good. 
Well, and when you start doing a podcast, you realize there's a lot of work that you never knew, <laughs> you never knew was being done behind the scenes when you listen oh, to gosh. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So, I mean, just like something goes wrong, you have to re-record audio. You know, there's just so much uh when we did Wild Shape, uh, oh, it was goodness. so good to see <laughs> when uh, Glass Cannon did their Pathfinder uh, playtest, to see them right. using the rule books and looking up the rule books. Because when we, we do that all the time, when we did yeah. Wild Shape, we were like, those professional guys, they ain't got to reference the rule books as much as we do. But yes, they do. So. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah, because, so, you know, yeah, probably you have a three-hour recording and you trim it down to like an hour, you know, that's actual just playing the game. Everything else is people looking up rules and right arguing about stuff and can you smell everybody in the room or not, you know, like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of thing that goes on behind the scenes. But, yeah, so. I mean, it works a little bit for TV, everyone, like uh, Twitch, for every, you know, every other Friday or every Friday that they do it, it works because it gives you a chance to see that they're human. Cause when you listen to their right. podcasts, they, I mean, it's pretty well put together, edited, cut, yeah. the sound quality's good. And you, right. you barely hear any of those delays, but when you yes. see them, it's like, Hey, they are human. They have to reference the rules. No one knows right. all this stuff in their head. Right. So I was, to me, I was watching good. last night. It felt good to see that. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I, I was watching last night, and I was like, oh, because we, you know, my girls and I, we've played through uh, the first two parts of the Pathfinder playtest, and and I'm I'm going, man, you guys are still like, I keep, I'd, I'd switch off, I'd do something else, I'd come back, watch again, I'm like you're still doing the hyena fight. Oh my goodness, <laughs> my girls and I, we. We rocketed through that in like the first twenty minutes of the of the game, you know, and they're like two hours in, they're still fighting the hyenas. I'm like, holy <laughs> cow, man! I feel a little better now. So yeah, but all of that to say, it's it's a, it's an it's an encouragement to say, you know what, to do a podcast that you know with the purposes that we have in mind, which are like I said, to inject adrenaline back into the exalted community, to keep things fresh, so that people are excited about the game and whatever. Um, I hope that. I hope that it's all right for us to be a little raw sometimes and not, I, I, I kind of don't want to, I mean, I want to be as good as we can be, but striving for perfection is a, uh, what's that that they talk about? It's a, uh, uh, gosh, man, I'm just, I know this is bad Char- radio. Just character saying. flaw. <laughs> no, well, yes it is. But no, I think it's a, uh, when, when you, t- when you take a drug and then the next time you take a drug, it's, it's like not as powerful and you take it again and it's not as, I'm not a druggie, so I don't know any of this terminology, but there's a, uh, <laughs> I think that there's uh, a, yeah. where it, it gets worse each time. It's not as fulfilling. You know right. what I'm saying? What's the name? What was the word for well, that? You develop a tolerance. Would no, be... no, there's a word. They, they call it something. It's like a, dang it. I can't think of it. There's probably like, there's probably like a hundred people out there going, dude, it's just this. Dang it. Nah. Anyway. Happened uh, to me last yeah, so... night, man. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was rolling three X deep. No, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it, it's something that like the more work you put into to hitting perfection, the less you get out of it, right? So you just keep striving, striving, and striving, and striving. You can spend hours and hours and hours trying to make something perfect, and it just 
it, it like it, it doesn't get there. Like, you know, you, you're wasting time at some point. You're you're spending more time than it's worth doing. And so I I would like for us to get to a place where we don't have to worry about that as much. Because I know I like with my upset uh, OCD personality, I obsess over little tiny details. And I'd like to get to the place where I can just like forget that and just do something good and move on. Right. Right. Helps you to keep from burning out. So. Um, so, yeah. So what about the patreon you know hey help support us we will keep trying to do uh do good and put stuff out there to to help the game keep going forward and i hope that you partner with us on that and so if you haven't thought about giving to the patreon yet you know stop by and consider giving us a couple bucks or whatever so that we can we can help or keep moving forward with all of the stuff that we'd like to do and we've got some plans in fact uh, we might talk about that in the next week or two, but uh, but right now we want to get into our discussion for this week, and it, you know we mentioned a little Pathfinder already uh, in this episode, and mentioned some Patreon stuff, and all of that is not an accident because I want to talk about building a grand story for your players in Exalted. And this is something as storytellers, as exalted storytellers, we are forced to do. We are forced to build a story for our players since Onyx Path doesn't do us, doesn't do it for us, right? I mean, I've always, always in the past and will always in the future continue unless something changes to see this as the single biggest misstep for the game of exalted is that onyx path does not produce adventures for the game other than the quick start for each edition each edition has a quick start in second edition there were two or three adventures in the storyteller system something or other that they came up with uh but like in large part onyx path does not make stories adventures for storytellers to, to run your group through. And I think that this is a huge mistake. And I don't mind saying that. Like, I love the game, love these developers and what they're doing, but I think you're making a mistake if you don't write adventures for your people. I mean, there is, Exalted is such, it's such a huge, big, amazing settings, setting, you know, creation is <laughs> such an awesome place that, Players and storytellers need a good way to be gently introduced to that setting through adventure. I mean, I just think that it's it's a it's crying out for somebody to put together like a really cool way of introducing folks to one part of the setting at a time, and uh, that's and for for storytellers or or those new to exalted i think they need to have some good examples of how the game is is played also or meant to be played and i know that there's a lot of there's probably a lot of disagreement on that like well how is exalted meant to be played our group plays it this way your group plays it that way you shouldn't enforce your way on me yeah but but you know i've said this often about like games like pathfinder too you, you know there are something like 22 adventure paths for pathfinder that take characters from like level 1 to 17 or 20 or something like that and they take like years of your life to play through with your players. And so you've got this massive, massive collection of stories to play through. And, you know, 
if if one of them doesn't suit your play style, maybe another one will. And if none of them suit your play style, you can still make your own adventures, you know, sitting in a room and debate, debating philosophy or whatever whatever your play style is that somehow is not compatible with any of those published adventures. You can still make your own. But having those having those published adventures gives people who come to those games something to you know, it's like a touch point. It's like, oh, this is what the game is about. You right. Know? I feel like Exalted is really missing that. Well, Corey, so. when I first started playing role playing, I was introduced to the D and D Red Box set. Like I played in my kitchen table with my dad and mom. Well, right. a few years later, you know, you know, you always get to the point where you know your father just gets busy with work and. You, you just can't play anymore. But I raided his closet and I, I grabbed this red box, right? And I bring it into my room and I open it up and I start looking through all these things. And I start reading the player's guide. Well, the player's guide has a, um, like one of those choose your own adventure type um, scenarios. Right. So I played through that thing like several times, like, and did like something different each time. Like, I wouldn't just let myself read right. read and cheat. I wanted to play through it. So, then after I finished the player's guide, uh, I start reading the DM book. You know, and these are these little right. small, thin, red-bound books. Like, then, like if you put right. them both together, like, it's, like, still not the size of, like, your standard role-playing game today. But in the DM's guide, they had a pre-made adventure. And I ran, like, some neighborhood kids through this adventure, like, several times. And that was the only one I had. But then, when I started designing my own, I started looking at this as an example. I'm like, okay, well, this was kind of the basic story that got got the characters hooked in. And then, you know, you go buy some graph paper and draw out these little dungeons, but it gave me something because if that didn't exist, I would have had no idea how to, how to run or play this game. Like it seems sometimes we, it's just like, like a default that it's expected that you already know how to run a role-playing game when you pick up exalted. Right. Um, But we need an example. You need yeah, and 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 not just one example. I think you need several examples, and you, and uh, you know these new storytellers need something that they can run their players through. And I know people will say, "But wait, 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 we've got the we've got the quick start." Yeah, yeah, but the but even you know there's several things about the quick start. First of all, it's not a full experience of the game because the characters that are created for that adventure don't even have the full set of charms that you're supposed to have at character creation, right? I mean they. They have like six or seven charms instead of at least 15. And the ones that they picked are kind of the ones that, you know, they're not super exciting. And, um, and so, and, and then the adventure itself, you know, doesn't really have much story. Oh, we're, we walked into, you know, we just sort of showed up in this cave that transported us to some weird extra dimensional area. And we're trying to get some weapons. Like there, there's like, there's almost zero story. So it doesn't provide us an example of what an exalted story really feels like. And you, you know? don't involve the number one thing, which is like the cool setting. Like you're in this little yeah, pocket dimension you, or whatever. Yeah, you are yeah, you're literally forced out of the the setting of creation. 
into some place that doesn't exist. And yeah, so you so to the quick start completely completely sort of removes the players from one of the main selling points of the game itself, right? Yeah. And uh, so so I mean I'm not trying to get down on the quick start. We've played it, you know. Uh, I know Charles and his friends have played the quick start. Um, and, you know, there was fun to be had there. But as far as, like, an introduction to the game, I don't think it serves as a really great introduction. I don't think it serves as a really great example of how play goes. And uh, whereas published adventures do a really good job doing that. And, uh, and, in, and in fact, published adventures... You know, especially when you think of like, you know, the king of published adventures, which of course would be Paizo with their Pathfinder and Starfinder adventure paths or whatever. Uh, They're not just cool examples of how to play the game. They're not just fun experiences to put your players through that last you a really long time. They also are a really awesome way to explore the setting. You know, I think about the Iron Gods adventure path, which my, uh, my kids have gone through in uh, in pathfinder and it's all about this one tiny place you know we have this huge map of the uh of galarian in our in our nerd cave down here and numeria is this like tiny little place in like the north part of garund and you know you look at like the the description of it in like the uh, the gazetteer or whatever and it's just like yeah it's a place where a, where a spaceship crashed like ten thousand years ago or seven thousand years ago or something like that and it doesn't really say much about it but then in this adventure path that they've created called Iron Gods, the whole thing takes place in Numeria and it all deals with this, this crashed alien spaceship from thousands of years ago. And it is this epic thing. But, at, but as they've written this epic adventure that delves into all this stuff, they completely flesh out that part of the world. And so it's not just an adventure. It's also like a setting book. Right, and it also is like a rules supplement that creates new rules for uh, high technology in a fantasy setting because there's like plasma rifles and laser guns and all that kind of stuff, and mechs and I mean like there's and robots there's just and androids there's just all that kind of stuff that they've added to the game because they delved into it writing that adventure, and that's huge. I mean, you think about and, and that's the way their strategy works, right? They don't just they don't spend a lot of time writing a big book on how you could, you know, make your own story in this part of the world or that part of the world. They spend most of their time writing the stories and then everything else is supplementary material that's based on the stories and over time that design has produced a real living breathing world full of lots and lots of resources about what that world is about, you know. Right. And uh it, it's it's story driven rather than you know, rather than like this city planner, you know, which book are we going to do next? Uh, well, we need a book about the East and then we need a book about, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, I, like you, you can make arguments for pros and cons for each side, but I will say that doing it one way produces, you know, doing it, doing it the way that Exalted has done, let's say in second edition, right? Where they did the five books of this and the five books of that and whatever. Doing it that way produced a a wealth of information that covered a lot of stuff from like a 30,000 foot view of creation so that like at the end of it, you've got a pretty complete version of the world that then you can use to make your own stories. At the same time, you know, over a similar amount of time, Pathfinder created an entire world also full of all kinds of different supplementary, supplementary material that allows you to create whatever stories you want. And they've got, you know, a six and a half foot tall stack of adventures that you can play and not have to spend your time creating stuff if you want to go that way. 
<laughs> you know, it just like both both produced a really full fleshed out world. One of them also ended ended the day with a giant pile of adventures, you know, which I think is just a real positive thing. Well, in that example, Corey, you're it's basically like walking into a warehouse full of all this lumber parts, pieces, hinges, screws, and it's like, well, what do I build with this? You can build anything you want. And you're like, right. well, what do I build? I need yeah. a, I need a blueprint. I need something to look at to to so I can like, okay, there's four walls and a roof. But has anyone ever designed a building with six walls? You know, it gives but if you've never seen the first basic model, right. it's kind of hard to just just generate that up out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what we wanted to do this week is we want to attempt to build on air an epic exalted story in the vein of the incomparable Pathfinder adventure paths using the method that we outlined for drafting new stories back in episode five. So if you've listened to episode five, we talked about how to make stories and I, I brought up this old thing from changeling first edition or changeling the Lost first edition in the, in the storyteller chapter about how to make stories. And you can go listen to that. It's, it's kind of like a, you know, you set out your bullet points, you go back and forth and create the beginning, the end, and then you start filling in the center details. And so we figured we would do that for this week to see if we could come up with a really epic exalted story arc that's similar in length and feel to something like what Pathfinder does with their adventure paths. And since there were two of us working on this, we did it a bit like a tennis match. You know, I started with the end. So, so we did it just like an adventure path. We did it in six parts. Cause if you know anything about Pathfinder, they do uh, one a month and every six months is like a full story arc. So we did it. We did six, six parts. I started with part six. Then Jim did part one. Then I did part two and he did part five. Then I did part four and he did part three. So we just, we bounced it back and forth, kind of closing the gap between the end of the story and the beginning of the story. But since that would be super chaotic and confusing to explain the story we created that way, we will just we will just explain what we created in chronological order, part one through six, and uh, and so what we did was we we did like the thirty thousand foot view, creating each one of these massive parts, which we, we called seasons, like TV seasons, right? Yeah. And so yeah, we did six seasons of our of our TV show here, and so we'll go through one at a time, just kind of explaining what we drew out for that season. So this is like a a season is what I would consider to be like two or three months of playtime if you meet pretty regularly, right? So you're talking like a big adventure, like a hundred page adventure kind of a deal, right? And so we, we're going to, we're going to give like a, a, a you know, 20,000, 30,000 foot overview of each one of the seasons. And then what we did was we broke down season one into, you know, the various episodes, you know, the various parts of that and showed how if you were building, if you're building your own story and you were doing it this way, after you got your 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 you know your your high up overview, you're gonna zoom in then on one part at a time, one season at a time, and dissect it down into the elements that you're gonna use then to create that adventure for your players and make it fun for them. So 
With each season, we have like a little paragraph explaining what it's about. And then we created a bulleted list of all the things that we're going to have to create, like use our creativity and create uh, when we put that season together. You know, just kind of thinking ahead, like, what do I, you know, design, you know, how do I, do I need to build a city here? Do I need to flesh it out? Do I need to build some antagonists? So we, we wrote those down. Do I need to create special rules for certain parts of the game? Right. So we, we kind of wrote those out and then we did the same thing when we, when we dove into season one and outlined it more thoroughly, we created this list of things that we were going to have to like actually put game mechanics to or whatever. So, so that's the way we'll go through it here just to show you. Using what we said in season in episode five, you can do this kind of thing to create these epic stories. Since we have to do it ourselves, this is how you would do it. Okay, so a good example of how you would do it. So Jim, since you were the one who wrote season one, why don't you start us out by explaining your season? Okay, season one. Uh, if basically what I did was Corey, like he explained. He wrote season six and he, he basically put where we're going to end up. So I had to come take, I had to take what he said, where we were going to end and find a beginning for that. So right in this season, the name of the season is let my people go. All right. Multiple small towns and villages have been under siege by an ex guild member outcast named Cunny Jackal, who is collecting a mass number, massive number of prisoners to use as slaves to dig for a lost artifact of power. The would-be heroes find themselves captured on the last caravan out of their home of Diamond's Crust when they all exalt at the same time. All the heroes mm-hmm. hear the voice of the unconquered son in unison, who says, I have chosen you for a higher purpose, and to bring righteousness to the world. The heroes raid a weapons cache carried by the slavers, where they obtain their equipment and artifacts, and seek out to rescue their captured friends and family, and uncover the plot of Cunning Jackal. Now, details that I needed to create, or will need to create in the future, is I need to design Cunning Jackal, I need to design the City of Diamond's Crust, and mm-hmm. I need to come up with a set of rules for creating a character in this story because they don't begin right. as exalts. Right. So you have like a, you have to create them once, and then you have to have a second time where you buff them up. Right. And they have they have rules for that in the in the core book, but it there you may need to tweak them a little bit for this particular adventure, and 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 it's okay to do that. Right. Say I've got special rules for how we're going to handle this. And. Uh, it's, Specifically, um, you need to have a couple of different ways designed to tie the characters to this town. Like, you can't just go off in a corner and design a guy that lives way out in the West if this story is taking place in the East. Um, So, yeah, you would come up with some kind of... And that's something that I feel like Pathfinder does really good with all of their adventure paths, too, is they have those... uh, they call them campaign traits, right? Where you, you know, every every character has to pick one, and it really ties you into that setting right. in a very strong way, you know. 
uh, in the in the playtest, for example, for second edition, there was one where uh, one character could be a goblin, and they could be the they could be like a renegade goblin that actually is uh, default, or uh, you know, he's he's going against his own tribe, and he's going to lead the other characters down there and be their guide and show them. And it's like, man, that is so integrated into that story, and putting that kind of story integration options into you know something that you create for Exalted, I think is going to like help cement that party to your setting oh yeah in a really strong way yeah it's okay to take really good ideas that other games have and use them for your exalted game and that's a dang good idea right so uh cory you want to take season two yeah but first of all i will say i do like the title of your season one let my people go uh <laughs> you know one of one of my children's name is moses so you know i i, I feel that <laughs> so yeah season two is one that i put together i call it jungle portents and in this one an earthquake rocks the town of diamonds crust that we met in the first season so again just kind of peeling back the curtain i created season six then jim created season one introduced this town of diamonds crust which was not a part of the story up until this point so when i create season two I want it to flow after, you know, flow from where we were in season one. I know that seems like pretty obvious, but thought I would point it out. So, so now in the season two, Diamond's Crust is rocked by this earthquake and the circle of characters must rescue townsfolk from dangerous situations that are caused by the earthquake because the town has never felt anything like this before. And while the scholars and savants of the town try to discover the source of the mysterious quake, this strange glow from deep in the jungle draws the attention of many people during the evening after the earthquake. So everybody's trying to figure out what causes whatever. But then when night falls, it's like there's this new light in the east, right? It's like, what is that? Maybe that has something to do with this earthquake. And so... The circle gets together and they decide to go out there and try to find the source of this glow, which might have something to do with the earthquake. And upon reaching the site, they find an ancient ziggurat has broken forth from the earth, sending out crevasses and cracks throughout the region. And the interior of this ziggurat, which of course cannot remain unexplored, if you have <laughs> you know any curiosity in you whatsoever, the interior of it is full of all kinds of mysteries and secret writings and traps. But before the players can solve uh, you know, the mystery of the ziggurat, these strange winged beings descend from the sky and they take the capstone of the building and they fly off with it. And a few of their number remain and try to fight the solars. And so it gives you some, some good opportunities for some combat with these strange reptilian winged beings. And so, you know, I put this together. Uh, this is more of your classic kind of D and D type adventure with a, with a ruin and whatever. So uh, details that you would need to create for this one are some rules for the dangerous situations in town. Are people's houses crumbling? Do you need to like get in and save somebody from a house that's about to fall? Uh, did a crack open up in town and people are falling into, you know, you, you have to, you need to come up with some really fun things to do during the earthquake. People love to roll dice when they're right. playing a role-playing game. So give them fun things to do, right? This is a perfect opportunity for it. Everything's shaking and quaking. There's danger, but there's also a lot of opportunity for fun on the part of the players. 
And uh, and then other things you need to create are jungle encounters on the way to the ziggurat. I would I would you know imagine that that would be a whole chapter of the adventure. Are some of these things that take place in the jungle? Maybe the earthquake scared a bunch of like large fauna. And they're like, you know, on like kind of a migration through the jungle, just trying to get away. And a stampede of some pretty nasty things runs into the player characters, you know, something like that. So you need to come up with something fun to do. Everything's about fun, you know. Don't forget fun when you're writing your adventure. Come up with fun things to do as you go. And then uh, you definitely are going to need some stats for these winged creatures, which, uh, spoiler alert, they're they're like dragon kings, okay? Which I know we have an example already in some of the uh, the adversaries of the righteous, or hundred or hundred devils night parade. I can't remember which one has like the uh, the dragon king in it, the feral dragon king. But that's what these are are and are going to be. So coming up with some some uh, stats for a winged dragon king, something you got to do. Also inside the ziggurat, going to be some traps. I know that's a D and D thing, but I think it can work for exalted also. Come up with some neat stuff. People like I think people like stepping on a you know pressure plate and having you know darts fly down the hallway or a pit open up beneath you. It's just <laughs> it's just fun. I mean, you get giddy inside, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right? I mean, come right. on. It's, it's awesome. So come up with some cool traps and uh, and maybe other encounters for inside the ziggurat. Not to mention the clues, the clues in the hieroglyphs on the walls that speak of an ancient ruler banished into the darkness of the earth by the unconquered sun. And so they need you need some rules and some some written out clues that the players are going to have to discover as they explore this thing that gives them then some hints of the plots that are coming down the line in the future of the adventure. So that's season two. I think that would be a really fun season to play. Now let's go back to season three. What you got, Jim? Now season three, I titled it Border Patrol. And it's basically, well, to not give away too many spoilers before we get further down in the seasons, for a purpose or a reason, there is a gold golden faction sidereal who is watching what's the loom of faith and and what's going on and you know trying to predict predict futures and and outcomes. Well, there is a lunar named Glorious Phoenix who is basically battling mm-hmm. these winged creatures and their armies. But she sends a message to him that there are some heroes, um, which are their player characters, and that he needs to get with them and they could help uh, help him to free these um, townsfolk and stuff that are being kidnapped. That he is basically, you know, the whole lunar thing, you have like control over certain territories. Well, this is his territory that they're invading, right. and it's a little right. too much for him alone. So he seeks out these solars and he basically says them the winged winged creatures like the ones they encountered at the ziggurat have been attacking villages and kidnapping people, flying them through local shadowlands at night, taking them to the underworld. The heroes must travel into the underworld and find out why these people are being taken. They discover that an army is being created. The heroes must find a way to disband this army and drive them away from this goal. Glorious Phoenix pledges his beastmen armies to aid in the assault while the heroes decide how to face this challenge. The assault on the enemy camp reveals that the capstone was the intended target on the attack of the ziggurat. Mm. Now, details... um, And also, uh, they would also find out that 
cunning jackal was part of this plot too and what he was doing actually caused the earthquake which brought this ziggurat up to the surface mm-hmm. so every they, they start putting pieces of the puzzle together so details that would need to be created is glorious phoenix i would need to design him as a lunar mm-hmm. i would need to design beast man and some stats oh, that'd be fun. for neighboring townsfolk and militia, you know, the, right. the mortals. We would need uh, foot soldiers, officers, generals of the attacking army. So we already have the winged creatures from season two. So we would need to design the other uh, forms of, of these army, uh, you know, uh, army right. members. Right. Uh, we would need to design some kind of mechanics to demoralize these troops. Like the players could, you know, set a building on fire over here or kidnap this guy or cut off a, uh, a big officer's head and throw it out in the middle of the army and see, you know, just some kind of mechanics that would demoralize right. these troops. I would need to design the enemy troop encampment layout. And mm. yeah, that would probably be it right there. Um, that would get me started. Yeah, those would be fun things too. The demoralizing troops and whatnot, doing a little guerrilla warfare. Oh yeah, that's fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, season four, moving on through the story here, I call this one "Assault on the Dragon City." That just sounds fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> if I were looking at these as like you know Adventure Path volumes or whatever, the one that was called "Assault on Dragon City," I would be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so yeah, so in this one, the recent discoveries that the circle has made in the previous adventures have led them to understand that this capstone of the ziggurat that they found in the jungle that got stolen provides the location of a very well-guarded secret gate to Yushan. What? Right? So <laughs> that it's like, okay, that they figured out that's the part of the puzzle that's missing. That's what was stolen is this gate to Yushan. It's a location thing. And so their new friend, Glorious Phoenix, that they made in the last uh, the last season, agrees to help them locate these reptilian thieves because, you know, they fought a little bit of this army and now they need to go, at, like, get the thing back that they were missing to put this plot together. And they discover through an augury, and that's something that you'll have to, you know, kind of build out during the story. How is this augury going to take place, Right. Uh, but they discover through an augury that the information they seek is housed in the ancient library in Thorns. Mm. And so, yeah, Thorns is taken over by a Death Lord, baby, and undead and whatnot. And so they have to stage an infiltration of the Death Lord-controlled city. And uh, so, I mean, I just imagine all kinds of awesome stuff breaking into that city. you got to be super sneaky because you're way, way in over your head. Oh, right? yeah. Get into this library and get your information. And once they have it, Glorious Phoenix offers them to f- offers to fly them to the Dragon City in his first age airship that he's just now telling us about. What you've got this right? And so, I mean, think of again, rule of fun, right? Rule of fun. Everybody's get you know they get to see this amazing ship. You're getting on board. You're getting used to all the different things that are there, you know, your quarters and the various weaponry and all that kind of stuff. And it feels like you have your own enterprise, you know, like now we've got a new mobile command base and we're going to, we're going to go in and raid this thing. Right. But then as you're heading toward the city of the dragon Kings, 
where some of this army and things, you know, stuff that you've discovered. The Dragon Kings attack the ship as it approaches their lair. There's fire from the ground. There's these flying winged reptilian things hitting them in the air. And the battle is is awesome. There's, you know, you get to do a lot of cool things, shooting your weapons and all this kind of stuff, doing serious damage to the enemy. But the way the adventure is constructed, they do overwhelm the ship and it goes down, crashing into the earth, killing Glorious Phoenix. Spoiler alert. Um. And the circle then has to fight for their lives to escape in an unfamiliar environment because the, the enemy's closing in everywhere and they have to get out of there. They're, they're overwhelmed. They don't have their ship anymore. And so they need to get out. And for this adventure, uh, the details that you would need to create are the airship, of course. And I and really need to pay good attention to this one because, uh, another spoiler, it's going to come back. Right. So, uh, <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so you need to design the airship because this thing's going to be a big part of the rest of the story. You need to design the dragon city of Itzla Tuaka, uh, which is going to be like one of this, you know, this big location where this the big bad, we, we, not, we don't even fully know who the big bad is yet. Uh, this is like maybe his, uh, his seat of power. So you need to kind of design this, uh, build it up. It'll be more, it'll take more of an, an emphasis in later, later seasons, but still need to start designing that. Uh, make sure we get good stats for the airborne dragon Kings, which probably did earlier, but still need to have, uh, you know, there's probably different types and whatnot for this big fight. And then you need to design all the encounters in thorns, all of the, you know, this, this is like stealth infiltration at this point, uh, when you go into thorns. So you need to have all those good rules in place to make that as fun as it can possibly be. Right. Oh, all right. Season five. What do you got? Season five titled between the wooded lies. The Raksha babbling book, babbling forked brook agrees to help the heroes assemble the first stage airship if they will travel into the wild and convince her brother to return to creation. The heroes discover that the Raksha's brother has been imprisoned in the wild because his body has split into five separate entities and each only contains some of his memories. They must find the pieces of Reed shaking in the wind, which is the name of of uh, her brother, and reassemble him into one whole entity. Upon returning, her brother, uh, Babbling Brook, inserts the last piece into the airship and unlocks the ship's defense systems, an evocation that is unlocked because of the gossamer power source Brook installed. The heroes, now protected from the assault that downed them before, Attack the Dragon City to retrieve the capstone. This sounds like a really fun one, by the way. <laughs> well, this... Okay, so what I was thinking here is, like, this guy, you know, the the wild. What's in the wild? And, like, when you read, like, the second age... Or second age. Second edition stuff on the wild, it right. just talks about all kind of crazy that happens because there are no rules. Yeah, it's like exploring um, a dream almost. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, this character reading the wind has split. Like, for some reason, his body has split. And, like, all little pieces of his personality are running around the wild. And you right. have to find them. And, you know, when two pieces of him... You know, and what I mean by pieces... You could come up with some really cool things. Like, maybe there's, like, a talking plant. And that, like, represents one portion of it. Like, right, it, it's right. not like a hand running around. 
It's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> a manifestation of this either personality quirk or something. So right. it's not like you're just going around looking for body parts. You're going around looking for, you know, a piece of essence, you know, that is right. like manifested in some weird way. Like one could be a dog and one could be like, you know, a two foot tall guy. And then when they right. come together, they reassemble. So now you have two parts that make one whole. And to even have more fun with it, when this dog and two-foot man combine together, it turns into this like book that talks. Like the pages <laughs> nice. open up, you know? Right. So it, it's just, you want to make it weird. And you really want to give the characters a chance to explore some of the wild. Yeah, now, I like it. So, details needed for creation. We need to design Babbling Forked Brook. We need to design the five different manifestations of Reed and his different forms and personality changes as more parts of him come together. Right. Re- then you got to design Reed's final assembled form. Uh, wild encounters. Locations that break the rules of reality. Waterfalls that fall up. Rocks made of flesh. Locations that would tame wonderland so think about alice in wonderland and all the craziness there yeah and uh design something along that lines we need some wild antagonists we can do some guides and some aids you know like uh think of i want to use wonderland again because that is just like yeah that's what i was like yeah you have the cheshire cat and the mad hatter um right some of these people act as guides and some of these people act as like just absolute confusion. You have no idea what they're doing. And some people are leading you intentionally in the wrong direction. So you can have a lot of fun with this. And we also need to design the new defense system for the airship. Like a way to describe it. What does, what does it do now? Uh, You know, why is it so much, why is it able to get you to your destination now where it wasn't before? Well, and you know, you know what that reminds me a lot of is like Power Rangers. I don't know if you've watched a lot of Power Rangers, but if you haven't, you need to get over <laughs> get over that little like that gag reflex in the back of your throat that's like, oh, the, the effects are so bad and the story is so cheesy and the acting is terrible. Like, get over that and like actually make it through it because there's some really awesome progression in in Power Rangers. In fact, I think it's the coolest part of those shows is that the characters start out like you know. They, they're just kind of basic humans. They figure out, oh, hey, look, we're Power Rangers. This is neat. And then they're like, oh, look, I've got a weapon and I've got a, a Zord or whatever. And then right. throughout the show, they're unlocking new things, right? Look what my weapon does now. And Voltron's like this too. You know, look, right. I figured out that my paladin weapon, when I plug it into the lion, it's, it creates this giant thing or whatever. And by the end of the show... They're they have got this these like insane Mechazord things, you know, like it's just uh, and and it's always so exciting when like the new evolution thing comes out and they're like, what they could do that now? Oh my gosh, you know, yeah, you can get really carried along with it. It's it's actually pretty cool. And if you want a really good good one or two to start with, uh, Dino Thunder was really good. Uh, Mystic Force was really good. Uh, those are so those are such really good. And they're all on uh, they're all on Netflix. So check check those out. So what I imagine is like. The airship, yes, it's back. It's put back together, and now it's like the ultra version, right? Like this, this, uh, this Raksha has like, you know, not just repaired it, 
but now it does this. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got new evocations and it, and it, the bottom of it can like open up and there's like just, you know, whatever. And so now you get to go back and win that fight you lost before. Right. So that is super cool. And, <laughs> uh, and I love that season five too is such a departure from, you know, kind of the, the more mundane story that we have been going because it's what it is, is it's taking a deep breath right before the very serious, very intense season six. Right, right. Because season six is titled The War in Heaven. And in this season, the final plan of the evil undead dragon king, T'Chakatua, has been discovered. With the help of one of the Death Lords, he has built an army with which to storm Yushan itself with the purpose of assassinating the unconquered son. What? That's right. <laughs> he, his purpose is to bring down the king of the gods. The army has massed just outside the ancient ziggurat city of Huadun, and from there they will attack the smaller walled town of Gristfall, where an ancient gate to Yushan has been kept safe by the First Watch for a hundred generations. Overwhelming the town's defenses, the army moves into heaven proper, and the heroes must pursue the vanguard and stop the murder of the sun. Now, the stakes could not be higher right. in this, right? So, I, you know, and remember this season, I wrote this one first when we were like doing this little, you know, this little experiment here. I wrote this first and put the, you know, I don't know how it's going to start. I don't know what's going to be in the middle, but the, but the main point of the thing is a dragon King's trying to kill the sun. Right. <laughs> right. <And> so like, <laughs> and so then we, we kind of built everything else backwards up to this. And, you know, so now, you know, now we know coming into the sixth season that we have a ship with some awesome weaponry that's <laughs> going to lay waste to a lot of this army. But then still, we're going to have to get out and, and essentially go in on foot right. to the, you know, through the Yushan Gate. And there's going to be fighting in the streets of heaven. And, you know, one thing that, uh, that Jim came up with as we were talking through all of this stuff and kind of stitching the pieces together is that, you know, this this dragon king could actually pose a very real threat to the unconquered sun because as he was banished into the darkness for millennia and uh, and then you know the underworld comes along at the end of the primordial war and is like the the gravity of oblivion at the bottom of of uh, of the underworld is like pulling things downward right and so this dragon king who had been buried in the darkness of the earth he he gets dragged down closer because of this this unholy gravity right he's like he's dragged down closer to the labyrinth in the underworld and starts bumping up against some of these neverborn they hear his plight he hears theirs and together they hatch this plan and jim came up with the amazing idea of one of the neverborn actually gives like a part of its body to be made as armor for the dragon king so that you want to explain it a little bit, Jim? I know this is your baby, and I'm kind of you know stealing <laughs> well, the thunder. Well, the the conversation um, came up. It's like, um, what? I mean, how? Okay, so we, we were planning. I, I think when Corey first wrote this, I said, so our heroes would probably be a pretty high essence level at the end of the story, and yeah, that's the idea. Right. Oh, yeah. So I was thinking, I was like, why does the sun? 
the unconquered son need help from four or five exalts. So I was like, why does, you know, it doesn't seem like a very powerful guy. So my idea was the whole reason the son created exalts was because he was not allowed to raise his hand against his primordial masters. So they created exalts to do it for him. Well, in this case, the Neverborn like rips off a piece of its body and fashions it into armor around the, the Dragon King, the undead Dragon King. And he says, you know, basically he won't be able to harm you. He won't be able to raise his hand against you because right. my essence is bonded with you. So when and, this guy... And attacks, not just him, by the way. Right. If he's in heaven, pretty much the only people there that could even fight this guy would be the Siderials because everybody else is like gods and stuff. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So, so like, nobody can touch this guy. Right. And that was go, uh, hearkening back to book three, the, the golden faction sidereal was looking at the loom of fate and saw, like, these strings intertwining and this knot that happened. And she could not see what was going to happen uh, after this event. Would he win? Would he, you know, there was, it was un basically undetermined what would happen almost like uh, undetermined how the solars would like act or play out the first stage. So uh, one group come up and help the, uh, help the dragon blood overthrow them. So she sees this and says, I've got to get these guys on the path to helping the sun because if this guy comes in here and takes out the sun, What's stopping him from continuing on and just ruling all of heaven? Right. So she wants to not only save the sun, save the save heaven itself. So yeah, this guy is the sun can't attack him. He can't lift his hand against him. So that's why he needs his exalts to defend him. Right. Yeah. And so the things that you'll need to create for this season are definitely Tachakatua, which is the uh, the main bad guy, and that amazing armor. And the cool evocations, the outside of reality type evocations that that probably provides to him. Oh, yeah. His weapons and whatever else that he has, because surely he's going to be a bad mamma jamma. And uh, you also need to create Huadun, which is the, uh, that is the the dragon city that, uh, or no, it's not. That, that's the, that's where they're, uh, that's where they're going to stage in the army. So you'll need to create that because depending on the timetable, you may have to create some cool timetable here. Because uh, you want the you want the player characters to have some agency in how they plan to take down this threat. So if they if they strike early, they might be able to start hitting them at the staging ground, or you know it might move on to Gristfall. So you're going to have to create Gristfall also, which is the city that houses this gate to Yushan that pretty much no one in the city knows about except the First Watch. So you have to create the First Watch also, this ancient organization that's guarded this gate. And, uh, but yeah, you'll have to, you'll have to know how the streets work, you know, so the fight, fighting goes house to house. Uh, if the first watch comes out, the militia of the town, whatever, like there, you know, there's going to be a big giant cluster. So, uh, yeah. So coming up with all of those different things for this big, awesome final showdown, that's going to be a big part of it. So, all right. So then we went back after sort of creating this, uh, this broad outline for how the story goes. And I think we're pretty happy with the, um, 
with the flow of the story. I mean, I think it's going to be a fun, epic adventure. I do think it will be sufficiently lengthy to take characters from Essence 1, maybe up to Essence 4. Right. And uh, and so then after we created all that, we went back and broke down Season 1 in the same way that we broke down the whole story. And again, this is a part of that method that we talked about in Episode 5. And so we, we did a breakdown of the Season 1 paragraph that jim wrote you know explaining what we were going to do there and uh and we talked about this a little bit too uh on the phone you know just kind of getting all of our details hammered out so we didn't do it exactly like they we did the others it wasn't quite as blind but uh but part one then of season one now remember this is where these slavers come in and assault this town of diamonds crust this is how the whole story starts the characters are not exalted at the beginning of it and right. so they exalt after they've been captured and they help free some people and whatnot. So that's kind of the way the season goes. So we broke it down into uh, five, at least five parts. And part one, you need like an icebreaker. At the beginning of any sort of huge adventure like this, you need a good way for the characters to get to know each other and do some fun things before the danger starts. Right. And so in part one of season one, I call it fishing for diamonds. And in this in this scene or in this this part of the season, the PCs have all entered the annual Diamond Crust fishing competition. And in this competition, players or, or uh, contestants, whatever you want to call them, they are broken up into boats through the casting of lots. And the casting of lots has put all of the player characters in the same boat together. Of course. So this is this <laughs> is the story for how they came together some of them may know each other heck they may even be family members but others might be people you know maybe they've never met before lived in the same town never really met you maybe i went to school with you and i was i was embarrassed to talk to you but now here i'm putting the same fishing boat with you so anyhow (laughs) whatever however you want to do that they all end up in the same boat and they're going to be fishing so just fun times so what you're going to need to create for this part of the story is you're going to need to design rules for piloting the boat to the best fishing spots, you know, maybe somebody's got to figure out where the best fishing spots are. So you'll have to come up with all kinds of rules for what dice rolls to make right. to get your boat to those spots. And then that'll provide a bonus then on the catching of fish. So you have to design stats for various fishing gear. Uh, you have to design the, the dice rolls for catching fish. And what I mean by stats for fishing gear is because in the upcoming parts of the story, the only things that the player characters are going to be armed with is whatever's in the boat. Right. <laughs> so so if there's like a fishing spear or a bow and arrow with like a, you know, fishing line attached to the arrow you know, for like bow fishing or whatnot, or just like a, a fish cleaning knife at your belt, you're going to need to know all of the gear that's in the boats because nobody's got a, a die clave at this point. Right. Nobody, nobody's got a sky cutter, boomerang. You know, they've got what's in the boat when the action starts in part two. So what about part two? Tell us about that, Jim. Well, part two is titled The Slaver Raid. While the strongest people in the community are out there um, on the lake, the slavers attack. So they've been, they're pretty well aware of when this town is at its most vulnerable. So they strike and they start taking captives and loading them onto wagons. And the uh, fishermen that are all out to sea, they start racing back to shore to stop them. And they get into a fight that they really can't win. Yeah. So things that you would need to create, you need to have a timetable of what happens in the town during the raid. The PCs interact with this at some point 
determined by how soon they spot the danger and how fast they can row to shore. So once again, you've introduced this kind of perception rolling dice mechanic because rolling dice is fun. And now you got like, you know, build some kind of a like, let's row, let's row, let's row. Like maybe only a certain number of people can row. But then one guy, it's his, um, it's his job to like, you know, like uh, bolster them and like yell at them and like say, you know, and like give them a bonus. Right. right. I mean, anything you could just come up with. And um, so you got to have a couple of enemies they can face and take down. So they jump out of the boat and they grab whatever's in there. A couple of fishing spears and, you know, like the bow and arrow with the line on it. Um, Right. (laughs) The flaying knife. So, yeah. You got that. You give them a, you know, give them a little win, but then a battle. And remember, this is Mortal Kombat. I mean, yeah. they're, they're Mortal mortals. Kombat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are they are actually mortals fighting mortals at this right. point. And it's right. really just a gen- gentle introduction to the fighting mechanics that people Right. Have never so you don't before. want to um, just gloss over this like, okay, you got two successes, this fight's over. No, you need to make it feel this is a mortal fight, like mortal yeah. versus mortal. So if it drags out a little long because it's like, well, it's taking forever, just it's okay. You know, this is the first combat. It's going to be exciting. But then, they're fighting for their lives. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then a battle group of slavers <coughs> that they will face as they charge in the town. Um, basically, they they get captured. You know, um, there's just too many well trained soldiers, and the, f- the poor fishermen never saw it coming and weren't fully prepared for the attack to stave it off. Right. And they're outnumbered. Oh, time. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you need to have a, a good battle group that's going to that's gonna end that fight. You know, you, you don't want them to be able to win this one. You want, right. you want them to be able to maybe make a little progress, but then just kind of quickly get shut down. Right. Because right, the point, so- of, point of it is to move into the next part. Which is part three, Corey. You want to tell us part about three? That? Yeah, we call it the caravan visitation. And uh, in this one, the players have been captured now uh, in the last part, and they are all chained up in the slaver's caravan. And all of them are visited as a group by the unconquered son who tells them, I've chosen you for a higher purpose and to bring righteousness into the world. And so they get their, they get their really their first taste of the unconquered son here. And at a exalt, this is the point where you get to pick new charms and spend additional character creation points. And then they have to break free from the caravan and put a stop to the slaver. So in this part, the stuff you need to come up with is you need to outline the exact rules for exaltation in this situation. So this is a part of how you're designing the character creation rules in your game. So, uh, you know, all, like how much merits were you holding back from the beginning? How, you know, of course you're holding back all the charms. Uh, did you have, are there abilities and attributes increasing as a part of the exaltation? I would argue yes. Right. Uh, but maybe you want to do that differently. Maybe you want them to have all their attributes and abilities already set. But I, so, you know, you just have to design how you want that to happen. Then you have to design all the skill checks and dice rolls for breaking chains and getting out of cages and or however, you know, the, the, uh, caravan is set up. You have to design how you want them to get out of there. And at least one of them should be strong enough, I think, to break bonds and whatnot once they throw a little essence into it after the exaltation. 
and also uh, any artifact weapons purchased by the characters because I, I you want that to be a part of it. It's a part of Exalted having these cool artifact weapons and stuff. Right. So if they purchase artifact weapons during this second phase character creation, all of those artifact weapons will be stored in a weapons cache somewhere in the slaving caravan. It's a part of as they've like raided towns and whatnot. They have these there, right? And so as the player characters are all breaking out, they're trying to find some weapons. Boom, they found the exact weapons that they purchased with their merit points during the uh, second phase character creation. So that's how you get those into the player's hands. And then you need like a map of the caravan, like the various wagons, the horses, the slaver complement, you know, where people are and whatnot, where the different slaves are are kept. So you need like a a way for the the players to look over this kind of, you know, this design of the caravan and plan their own attack of how they want to put a stop to these people or just escape with as many other slaves as they can. You know, so that's up to them. You just need to provide them the tools to do so. Right. And then after this, uh, you could have another couple of parts. And we, we kind of left this open because, you know, just for, for the sake of, of uh, leaving a little loose ends, part four would be something that you're going to have to rescue the villagers, uh, either from, uh, you know, people who are in the care, who, who are like actually slaves in the caravan, or maybe the next village that the, the uh, caravan is coming up on the slavers are attacking. Maybe you can rescue that village, right? right? Like as, as a part of your escape. So, uh, that would be part four. And then part five would be confronting the enemy, finding the leader and putting him down. Right. And so you can imagine all the different things that would be a part of fleshing that out. So, so that's how you build these big stories. Just, just kind of going back and forth, making, making an outline start. Like I said, you know, like we did, you could start from the end then go to the beginning. You could do it the other way around. You could start with the first part, then go to the last part uh, and just kind of alternate back and forth, you know, heading towards the middle, tying things together. Because, you know, I think if you do that, if you go end to end back and forth like that, you know, at first you're just, you're just, your, your, your last part doesn't exactly have to have any relation to your first part, but then as you create the middle parts, you're filling in details and you're incorporating the beginning and the end and tying a story together, your imagination's in overdrive and you're figuring out how to put all that stuff together and stitch the story into a unified whole plot. And you can kind of see how we did that over the course of building this huge thing. Right. So we want to know what you think about this, you know, and not just our particular story that we created. Although we want to hear that too. Do you think it's cool? Would you play a game like this? Would you like this uh, assault on heaven kind of thing? I think it sounds like a crap ton of fun. I know that Uh, during the creation process, like when one of us would write the next thing and then you come back and read and you're like, whoa, he totally went somewhere. I did not expect to see him go. Right, now I right. gotta get I gotta get kind of creative and figure out how I'm gonna write the next part that that kind of fits yeah into to tie this. it together yeah. yeah yeah that's true and 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 that's a that's a benefit of working with two different minds instead of just one you know right. it's like the other person is gonna throw a little curveball that your mind wouldn't have come up with you know so uh, so yeah so doing it like that is actually pretty fun and I think that's a that's a good thing too so um, you know maybe if you're writing your own like this maybe you could get somebody else to to be a sounding board and to be, and to have that different uh, way of thinking that challenges you and helps you, you know, come up with something that you never would have come up with on your own, which is pretty cool. Right. So, so what do you think? Do you like this? Do you, do you, would you like 
if Exalted provided this kind of like massive campaign pre-written for you? Is that is that is that something you value? Do you would you want to say to Onyx Path if, if they said, you know, guys, what what should we make? Would you want to tell them, you know what, guys, <clears throat> you need to focus on making some of these adventure path kind of things. Like we need this. Uh, if that's if that's something that you're passionate about that you think, yeah, that's what I want, then let us know. Let us know. We want to we want to see how much how much demand there is for something like this. Would you buy it? Would you use it in your game? Would you be relieved to finally have a story written for you to go, oh yeah, I've always wanted to know what's sort of expected of an exalted adventure, you know? Write us in and tell us. Uh, the deliberative podcast at gmail.com. If you want, you can record yourself. Uh, giving your opinion on it and send that also to the the deliberative podcast at gmail.com but uh yeah so so let us know what do you think about the story we created would you be interested in playing through the story that we created if we did a little bit more work flesh some of this stuff out uh would you be interested in onyx path producing their own official adventures like this let us know all right well this week we received a very interesting email from someone. We don't have a message on the message machine, but we did get a super cool email from a fella named Chris P. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Chris. Chris McP. <laughs> you know, we try to we try to uh, you know give a little bit of anonymity to to, to folks when they write it because I don't know how much people want you know want you know, know their full names and whatever else. So, right. so Chris, Chris M, Chris Mick, uh, he sent us, he sent us a, an extremely cool custom made artifact. And, uh, and this thing, I, I'm just going to say, Chris, this is the most professional homemade artifact or anything really that I've ever seen. It looks so, awesome. It is amazing. Kudos on coming up with such an awesome design for this. It looks like, you know, you cut a few pages out of uh, out of the arms of the chosen or something. It is really, really awesome. And he, he calls this, uh, it's actually a series of three artifacts called Flamekin. Flamekin. And they are three red jade diclaves and they're three dot artifacts. And uh, one of the coolest things I like about this is so he has this story about these three brothers and their their different philosophies of the world and whatnot and how they each rolled their their thinking into three different diclaves. And one of them is uh, f- called Flamekin. And, and or, or I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, the whole thing's called Flamekin. One of them's called Brother Cinder. And, you know, it's uh, kind of a smoldering red blade. The other one is called uh brother flame and it's like actually ignited with fire on the blade and then the third one is called brother smoke so you have brother cinder brother flame and brother smoke and each one of these three has its own sort of flavor that encompasses the the philosophy of the 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 brother that created the diclaves and what I think is so cool about the way he's done this, the way Chris has put this together is he's got, he's actually got pictures of the three different diclaves that he's created, like in the text yeah. of the artifact description. So you can see the smoky one and the fiery one and just kind of the smoldering one. 
And then they've got some really, really awesome evocations in here. Each one has about three or four, uh, three or four evocation. And then there's like some synergy evocations for if you have, you know, more than one of them together. So some really cool stuff. And I was talking to Chris about this a little bit and I'm like, he was saying, Hey, you could post this. And it is true. We could put this up on, on fivepoles.com. But I wrote back to Chris and I said, Chris, you know, with them opening up the storytellers vault, you know, here just recently, right. I would rather see you put this up for sale on storytellers vault because this is really good and this is the kind of thing that would be really good to set the standard set like a pretty high bar for the storytellers vault and so uh so i don't want to i don't want to like spoil this for everybody by just going ahead and putting it up although he did say he he had put it on the the um the the discord or whatever so he's like well i've already put it out in a lot of places still I think you need to put this up for sale, buddy. So here, here's what here's what we're going to do. Then we're just going to turn this into an advertisement for Chris. Uh, go out, you know. Hopefully, he'll have this up on Storytellers Vault pretty soon. Look for this Flamekin because it is extremely cool. And thank you, Chris, for sharing it with us. Uh, we may have to put this to use in one of our games here pretty soon. So very awesome artifact. Yeah, thank really you. Really good job. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so that about wraps it up for this week. Remember to let us know what you think about this uh, this whole Adventure Path, Exalted Adventure Path idea. Is that something you want to see? Make sure you tell us about that. But, uh, but Jim, why don't you tell us where folks can find you on the web? Oh, I was going to say, uh, Corey, real quick, to uh, put that in the subject line. You know, Onyx Path, Adventure Path kind of thing, or something along those lines so that we, we, we could look at those quickly. Because we want to, we want to know how the community feels about something like this. Um, right. I think it's important. I think because my own experiences, having something to work off of as an example when I did my own thing. Right. But sometimes I just want to sit down and open a book and have all the work done for me. No, and, you what do you mean sometimes. <laughs> what do you mean sometimes, man. I always want that. So. <laughs> and I'm I would pay person. someone to do that full time so. job. Got a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah, man. So absolutely. Uh, let's get back on track here. Uh, you can always find me at our website fivepoles.com. Things that I've designed and made, martial arts and whatnot. Or you can reach me direct at my email james dot at gmail And on the Onyx Path forums, I go by. The username Reform Ninja. All right, and for all game-related things, including Onyx Path official forums and uh, the DeepWild.com forums, I am Numa Pilot. And for those of you out there who haven't dropped by DeepWild.com yet, we've got another Dragonblooded game getting ready to start up here called The Lost World. So we're running now three uh, Exalted Third Edition games on there: Caldera, The Sinking of the Emerald Lightning, and uh, the lost world. So if you want to be a part of deepwild.com, come on over, register, uh, you, you, the, the, the secret answer to the question when you register is there is no right answer for this. I think that's it. It's like capital T on the beginning of the sentence. There is no right answer for this. And then a period at the end of the sentence. And, uh, and if, and if that doesn't work because I, maybe I screwed it up or maybe you didn't type it right, or you forgot what I said or whatever, just send, send me an email. A lot of people go to the five polls.com, use the contact us form form, send us an email. I will send you that, that answer. I'll approve you quickly. You can get on and be a member and, uh, 
and come come wanting to play some games. Get into the recruiting forum and tell folks you want to play a game and uh, and bring your friends and and we'll get you set up with a forum and you can start playing and you can meet new people there. There seems to be a lot of people ready to play some games. So come on over, join deepwild.com. And remember, if you have a question or an issue that you would like for us to discuss on the deliberative, in addition to what we've asked you to send us uh, feedback on this week, please send your question to us at thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. And remember, we like to have you record your voice because we like to interact with you on the air and let, let people hear you. It gives a little bit more personal touch. So go ahead and send us a recording of yourself if at all possible. Hey guys, don't forget to leave us some reviews out there. It helps, uh, you know, just like when you go to your favorite restaurant and you read about Yelp, you know, <laughs> so the, the good reviews help steer people to give us a listen. And, uh, we were trying to get noticed and get our podcast noticed and get an exalted notice. So, if you could, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That's right. So thank you for listening to The Deliberative Podcast. And now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.